Great job, guys. Great job. Thanks, Jesse. Good morning, Mission View Church. Man, it is so good to be here this morning. I, this transition period for us has been a six-week transition. It feels like it's been six years. We have been so ready to be here with you. I have been so ready to be here with you. Excited about what God's doing at Mission View Church. We had VBS this past week, so I got to my first week here at Mission View. I got to experience VBS, and it was amazing. All the kids, all the fun, all the games. It was a great time. Um, if you didn't get a chance to check it out, there's pictures and stuff all over the web about it. But we had an amazing time. Um, before I jump into today's sermon, I just want to share a little bit of my heart with you um, about who I am about Mission View, about my family. My wife, Janelle, is here, and my son, Noah, and Emma. Emma, go ahead and raise your hand so everybody knows who you are. That's Emma. And Adeline is right beside her. Raise your hand, Addie. And I'll point out Carson, her boyfriend, is here with us today, too. Wonderful young man. But um, we are so thankful to be here. And I just want to say that I am humbled, extremely humbled, and honored to be on this stage today. Um... I have done a lot of homework and watched a lot of sermons, um, Pastor Steve's sermons. You sat under phenomenal preaching from an amazing man of God. And I am, um, I am not worthy to be on this stage, but it's by God's grace alone that I stand here. One thing that I stand on is the Word of God. This is God's Word for us today. So like Paul said, I'm not going to come to you with fancy words and different things, but one sermon you'll hear every week, and that is Christ and Christ crucified for us. That is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my life, my ministry rests on that alone, the grace of Jesus Christ. So every week we're going to open this book, and I'm going to pray fervently that God speaks to us through it, that His Holy Spirit works in our hearts. And as we open this book, it changes us and grows us and makes us the people that He's called us to be. We have a mission. One of the, one of the coolest things about Mission View Church is the name. My heart is that we would be a church that reaches this community for Christ. If this book is, is true, and I believe it is, if God is real, then, then heaven is real and hell is real. And there are people in our communities, there are neighbors in our houses that right next to our houses that, that don't know Jesus yet. And I am passionate, extremely passionate to reach those people with the gospel, to reach those people with the good news of Jesus Christ. If it's real, then we have a mission. God has a mission for each one of us to reach them with the good news of Jesus. That's, that's my heart. It's, you know, it's, it's, we're in North Canton, but I truly believe the ministry that God's placed before us is going to reach out further than North Canton. It's going to reach the surrounding communities. That it's going to reach around the world as we go out on mission for God. God is not done with Mission View Church. He has a plan and he has a mission for each one of us. Amen? Amen? All right. I like a little interaction, so as I'm preaching and stuff, and, and um, 
I'll try and, and calm down a little bit. I'm a little excited this morning. So the adrenaline's going just a little bit, all right? If you've got your Bibles, go and open it up to Matthew. We're going to be in the book of Matthew today. Not just because my name's Matthew, but I am a little biased. I'm not going to lie. No, I, I love all the Gospels. But um, Matthew chapter 14, as you're turning there, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. Right now, we, we open up our hearts, and God, we pray that you would do what only you can do. By the power of your Holy Spirit, reveal truth to us. That it will be a truth that changes us, that grows us, and molds us, makes us into the people you've called us to be. We surrender our hearts. We surrender our wills to you. And Father, I surrender to you. Use me for your kingdom, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I love this story we're about to read. This is a story of, of Peter, Jesus walking on the water. Just an amazing story in Scripture. So it starts in, in uh, verse 22. But I, I just love this, this story. As we go through it, follow along with me. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So to so kind of give us a little bit of context here, Jesus has just found out about the death of his cousin John the Baptist. He really hasn't had time to, to really soak this in. He finds out about it and he tries to get away to take some time, but crowds follow him and, and all this stuff. And he just gets done feeding the 5,000, this miracle that we see. So this is kind of what's happening. So, so immediately after those things, he made the disciples get up into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. By himself to pray. So I, as I've been going through this whole transition, I don't know about you, but when life gets kind of hectic and life gets kind of crazy, one of those things that I tend to forget about or, or not think, not be in the forefront of my mind is, is prayer. To just take that deep breath open God's word and just meditate on it and then go to God in prayer. Man, it's an amazing example that, that Christ sets for us right here, that he would just take that time by himself to go and pray. He goes on and says, When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And then the fourth watch, this is probably between 3 and 6 a.m., fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Man, wouldn't that be a crazy picture? You're out in this huge storm. Just think about this. You're out in this huge storm, and, and Jesus comes walking along the water in the huge waves. This is just awesome stuff. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand 
and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. God's word for us today. Man, there's so many really cool things in this scripture, but I want to just grab three things that kind of stand out that we can maybe write down and meditate on this week. The first one is in verse 28. It says, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, I don't know, if you study the Bible a little bit, Peter's this guy that is, is always talking first. You know, when something's going on, it, it almost seems like, as I read Scripture and, and see Peter's personality come through it, that, that Peter kind of just says some things really quickly without really kind of thinking about them. Have you guys picked up on that at all? Okay, that's, that's Peter. Anybody here ever said something and been like, oh, what did I just say? You're trying to reel it back in. You're trying to reel it back in. But when those words go out, man, they're out there, right? You can't take them back. So I don't know. I'm just going to throw that in there that Peter might have been like, Lord, if that's you, man, call me out there. Well, what did I just say? <laughs> Hold on. What did I just say? Well, really, the first thing I want to point out here is we like Peter, and what Peter's really getting at is we like Peter want to know God is who he says he is. We want to know that God is who he says he is. Now, when life is going smoothly and, and everything's fine, it's easy to sit back, relax, and look at things and be like, God, you are God. You know what? It's, man, things are just going smoothly. You know, the closing on the house happened when it was supposed to. The movers show up on time. Nothing gets broken, you know. God, you're, you're God. You're in control. But what about when things don't go our way? That's when it gets really hard, doesn't it? It's hard to sometimes believe that God is who he says he is, that God is, is omnipotent, that God is omniscient, that God is omnipresent. Big, big churchy words for omnipotent, meaning that God is all-powerful, that he holds everything in his hand. He could, he could do anything he wants to, that God is omniscient. We're all-knowing, that he knows our very thoughts, he knows our yesterday. He knows our today. He knows our tomorrow. There's omnipresent or everywhere that God is all around us, that there's nothing he doesn't see or nothing he doesn't know about us. There's no hidden secret sins with God. He knows everything, all of it. Or that God is supremely good. God is supremely good. Does anybody know the, the big theological word for that one? Supremely good? No? It's ready for this? You might write down. Good. Yep, I just made it up. Supremely, supremely good. What I mean by that is he's, he's good in a sense that, you know, when we say that's a, he's a good guy, that's not what I'm talking about when we talk about God. Supremely good. There is no one like him. And in fact, um, when Jesus was, 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 set, was called good teacher, he, goes, he said to the guy, he says, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good, the Father in heaven, supremely good. And I just do all capital letters if you 
those theologians out there want to write that down. But it's easy for us to say that God is supremely good when things are going our way. But this is where it gets hard to say or believe that God is good. How can, how can God be good or God be God in my sickness or in my loss or in my failures and sin? Or how about like when, when other people sin against me? Or say bad things about me. If God allowed it all to be taken away, all that we have, if God just allowed it all to be taken away, would we still say God is God? All-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and supremely good? You know, God always has purpose in our pain. There is not one tear shed in God's kingdom that goes to waste. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. One purpose in our suffering or in our pain is that we would draw near to God. That we would come to a deeper understanding of of who he is and who we are. Our struggles in this life show show us how how weak we are, how frail we are, and, and how truly dependent on God we are. There's been times in my life where I have wondered, what in the world are you doing, God? Have you ever wondered that? Like, like, I know you're God and everything. I know you're in control, but my life looks completely out of control right now. Are you sure, are you sure you're up there? Are you sure you know what you're doing? I don't, I don't know what you're facing today. But I do know this. That God loves you. That God loves you. That he has plans for you. That before the world was created, he knew your name. Before any of it was created, he knew your name. He knew the plans that he had set for you. The Bible says plans for good things for you to do. Good works for you to do. We serve a God who is intimately acquainted with suffering. You know, it's easy to, it would be easy to think about like this, this God who's like completely separated from, from us. Sitting up on some cloud somewhere with those little cherubims with their little harps and completely distant or disconnected from humanity. But that's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve sent his only son. Jesus Christ left heaven. The very place that you and I are are desperate to get to, this paradise that we read about, that we hear about, Jesus just walked out of it and then put on flesh and became the man, Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. 
And then he lived a perfect life without sin, not in thought nor in deed. And then he died a gruesome death. He was betrayed by one closest to him, the one he entrusted finances to. Sold out. Judas sold him out for chump change. Just stabbed him in the back. And then all those followers, all those people that said, oh, we'll do anything for you. We'll follow you anywhere. And this Peter that we're talking about today. Peter, first one when Jesus said, you guys will betray me. Oh, no, Lord. No, no, no. He's the first one to talk, right? No, no, I'll be with you. I'll never. They just left him. The guards came and took him away. Jesus understands suffering, let alone the torture he went through and his murder on the cross. See, the God that we serve, the God that we're in relationship with isn't some distant deity. He is intimately acquainted with suffering, with pain. So when, he, when we're going through these things, when we're going through hard things, God sees it. He doesn't just see it, he understands it. And he has compassion and mercy. And he draws near to us in our pain and in our suffering. So one thing I know about suffering is this, is that God intends it to to draw us closer and closer to him. So I don't know what you're going through, what struggles in life you're going through. But I know this, draw near to Jesus. Run, run to Jesus. Find peace, find hope, and find comfort in the comforter, God. You are not alone in your suffering. We are not alone when we suffer. God is right here. He is right here with us. He is right here with you. If you're hurting and broken, run to Jesus. Nothing, nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. Amen? Man, God is good, even in our suffering. Second thing I want to pull out about this scripture is one word, and it's Jesus' response to Peter's, Peter's uh, question. What's, what's Jesus say? Come. <laughs> right at that moment, if I was Peter, I'd be like, Whoop. what was I thinking? You know, there's this huge storm. You're in this boat. You're in a perfectly good boat. Jesus is out on the water, and he's just called your bluff, right? He's like, come on, come. Right out of the boat. Man. The second, second thing we could write down is this, is that God calls us to real faith. God calls us to real faith. God is real, and he calls us to real faith. Anyone know how to spell the word faith? Wait, before you answer, this is a trick question. R-I-S-K. That's how we spell faith. When Jesus called Peter out of the boat, it wasn't like me calling you up here onto this stage. As scary as that may seem to you, your life wouldn't be at risk. Peter was stepping out of a perfectly good boat onto treacherous waters. Anybody been out on the ocean during a huge storm? Okay, so we vacationed in North Carolina 
um, every summer. Uh, Emerald Isle, Atlantic Beach area. And we just, we love it down there, really enjoy it there. Funny, it's a funny story. Um, my family's gone down there since before I was born, and my wife's family's gone to the exact same island since before she was born. So for, well, 41 years, we've been vacationing on the same small island. We were destined to be together. I was, in God's sovereignty, she was forced to marry me. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just kidding. She's put up with me for 20-some years, so she is a saint. But anyways, one of these years... Um, my dad thought it'd be really great for um, me and uh, a couple of my brothers and our friends to go deep sea fishing. And um, so we get out of this boat that's supposed to take us about a mile out into the ocean. We're going to go catch some fish and, and come back in. You know, we'll be out. I think the trip was scheduled for like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Just a very short um, fishing trip. And um, I have a, a little bit of an issue with motion sickness. And um, before we even leave the, uh, where the boat was, was um, docked, I am motion sick, you know? So, so we, get, we get out to where we're going, and I'm like down in the bottom of the boat by myself. And they come down to check on me every once in a while. And I start to look out the windows. And I'm noticing that it is really wavy. And I mean, this boat is getting tossed and... Next thing I know, the entire crew, not the entire crew, but most of the crew and most of the other fishermen that are out there are down in the bottom of the boat with me, and they're all puking their guts out. And um, this is the crew as well. We, had, we got caught in a quick storm that nobody saw coming, and this boat was pulled way out, way further than we were supposed to be out in the ocean. And this trip, this one and a half, two hour trip turns into a six hour excursion of everybody in the bottom of a boat um, not having a good time. All right. So, so this is out in a major storm. I, I cannot imagine stepping out of that boat onto these huge waves. But that's what Jesus says to Peter. Come. You know what? Sometimes doing what God says to do doesn't make sense. Have you ever thought about that? What, like, how about this one? How about pray for those who hurt you? Hmm. Or turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. I don't know about you. When I hear those things, I'm like, man, I, I thought that you were supposed to, you know, when somebody stabs you in the back, you're supposed to like plot your revenge, right? You know, you've worked some things out. You're going to even the score. No, not in the kingdom of God. Love our enemies. You know, actually, as we read through scripture and we, we see what God has for us, a lot of what God tells us to do is completely counterculture, completely different than what the world would tell us to do. Sometimes what God says to do doesn't make any sense. Sometimes real faith, or stepping out of the boat into our own faith, is hard. It goes against a lot of what we would think. 
For many of us, growing up, growing up in small town Ohio, we grew up going to church. It was something that mom and dad made us do. At some point, we have to make our faith our own. I mean, why do I believe what I believe? Do I really believe it or has church just become some social club where I can go see some friends and grab a cup of coffee? It's risky to do life the way God intends for us to do it. It doesn't make sense sometimes, but in the end, it will always be better for us. God's way is always better than our way. And when God's way doesn't make sense to us, our faith is really put to the test. And Jesus says, come. Come. What is God calling you to? Mission view. All of us have a mission. What is the mission that God's calling you to? We find our third thing that we can write down in verse 29. Verse 29 says, So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. We only walk on water when our eyes are set on him. We only walk on water when our eyes are set on him. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to be in constant communion with God. The Bible talks about this in Thessalonians 5.17. It says, pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It's referring to this constant conversation we have with God, listening for his still, small voice, asking him at the beginning of each day, God, what would you have me do today? Living a God-purposed life. Being in his word daily, writing it on our hearts, memorizing it. The one, the, th the thing, the things of this world can be this. They can be tempting, they can be terrifying, and they can be tormenting. But with our focus on God, these things become a part of our testimony. Here's the thing. Peter steps out of the boat and walks on water. Two people can can say they've done that. Jesus and Peter. Jesus walked on water. Peter walked on water. How cool would that be? This isn't some trick. This is supernatural, Peter walking on water. But what happens? He's out there. I don't know how many steps he took, but it says he, he's, coming, he's coming to Jesus. One step, two steps, three steps. He got close enough to Jesus that when he started to look around and see the waves and hear the wind and this huge storm that's all around him. He got close enough to Jesus that he could reach out and touch him, that Jesus could reach down and save him. So don't get distracted by the, the wind and the waves that this world creates, whether it's suffering or strife or or temptation or whatever it may be. Everything that this world promises us will leave us empty and wanting. 
But what God promises us will never leave us empty. He is the only thing that we can go to that will fill us, give us ultimate joy and ultimate satisfaction. It's only found in him. Think about it. Peter had his eyes on Jesus and walked on water. And as soon as he lost sight of Christ, he sank. Man, that's easy to do in life, isn't it? Man, we have our eyes set right on Jesus. Things are going well. But then a wave hits us right in the side of the face. Whoa, whoa, what was that? What's that over there? Our eyes are off of Jesus. Distracted. It's amazing how that can happen so quickly. Now here's a couple of questions we need to ask ourselves in these times of waves and wind. Does this, well, you could actually say it this way. It, it could be time of, of waves and wind, but there's sometimes where we're just cruising through life and life is easy. You can ask yourself these questions in both of these times. Does this time of struggle or blessing cause me to worship God more? Does it cause me to worship God more? You know, our, our faith is always being tested. There is never a time in our life where it's just set on cruise control. Man, I've used the cruise control a lot over the last few weeks. Man, coming across 30 for, for three hours, it's easy just to set that cruise and, and take a quick nap. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really nap, but... It's easy just to set that cruise control, not really, you know, just listen to music. And, but there is never a time in our journey with Christ that we can set the cruise control. We are always being tested. Whether we're in a time of blessing and ease or we're in a time of the hardest time of our life, we are always being, there's no such thing as cruise control. So whatever we're going through, does this time of blessing or struggle cause me to worship God more? So if I'm going through that time of blessing, am I just patting myself on the back, going around telling everyone, you're welcome. Yes, I know I'm awesome. You're welcome. Glad you got to meet me today. Glad you got to see me. Or am I actually pointing all the glory back to God? Thank you, God, for what you're doing in my life. Man, things are going well. This is your grace, God. It's only by your grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do we point it back to him, reflecting every bit of it back to God, that he gets all the glory? Now, we need to really be honest with ourselves, church. Are we really doing that? Are we really doing that? Another question does this time of struggle cause me to run to or from God? So whether it's struggle or it's easy, are these times causing me to run to or from God? We see a great life lesson of how to become what God has called us to become here. It's keeping our eyes on Jesus. Verse 32 says, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This miracle pointed them to the place their worship should be, on Jesus. Every miracle in our lives 
and around us should point us and those around us to worship God. They were amazed at what God did through Peter and the calming of the storm. This is what happens when we have real faith and take big risks towards the things God has called us to. When was the last time that you took that risk and shared your faith with someone you knew didn't know Jesus? When was the last time you stepped out of the boat and took that risk? When was the last time you took a big risk to follow what God was calling you to? Maybe you're here today and you're doing great in your relationship with God. I want you to know that God has more for you. There is so much more God can and will reveal to you as you seek him. But maybe you're here today and you're struggling. God has something more for you too. I want us to just take a moment and think about this journey, this Christian life. Now just go back, you can close your eyes, just think back at those, those big moments in your life, those big God moments in your life. Maybe it's people that spoke into you. Maybe it was a, a tragedy or, or just a, a huge, amazing God miracle in your life. But those marked moments in your life, all of those things culminating up to this moment right here at Mission View Church on Sunday morning, July 29th at 10.59 a.m. What are some of those marked things that have brought you to this moment and made you who you are right now? God has brought you here to this moment, to this minute, to hear this one thing. Get out of the boat. You want more of Jesus? You want an exciting, real relationship with the creator of the universe? Get out of the boat. Have your devotions been nice, good, and normal? Get out of the boat. God is so much better than normal. You're here today hearing all of this for the first time and, and you don't know the one who's created you, loves you, and wants to be in real relationship with you. Get out of the boat of fear and walk on the waters of faith. Get out of the boat and join that small group. Serve in the children's ministry or youth ministry or worship ministry or hospitality. Go on a missions trip. Share your faith. Step out of the boat. What is it? What is that ministry that God's been birthing in you for months and months and months? And you'll say, oh, maybe I'll get to it one day. God's saying, get out of the boat. God has more. God has so much more than just this normal, flatline Christian life. The Christian life was meant to be lived in relationship with the creator God, who's created all things. He is creative beyond measure, creative beyond anything we can imagine. And if we get to the end of our lives and we look at things and everybody's just like, oh, that was nice. That's not what God intends. Our lives are meant to be wrung out 
for the kingdom of God. That when it's all said and done, people are going to look at things and say, there is a God because there's no way possible Matt could have done anything like that. That is who we are called to be. That is who you are called to be. God has called you to be his sons and daughters. And he has plans and a mission for each one of us. If we learn anything from this story about Peter walking on the water, let it be this, that we would be risk takers for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God, for his glory, for his kingdom, and for our good. This is the God we serve. What an amazing, amazing story. Get out of the boat. God has a mission for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. This story that we see, this interaction that we see with Jesus and Peter, wow. Wow, what a story. God, I just pray that you would give us courage that goes beyond our means, that your Holy Spirit would empower us to, to jump out of the boat where you're calling us to, that we would be risk takers for your kingdom, that we would see the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ throughout North Canton, Jackson, all these surrounding counties, Lord, throughout the world that you would send us. Do what only you can do. All-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and supremely good God. Do what only you can do in and through the lives of your people, Mission View Church. We surrender to you, and we say we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.